Good morning, and welcome to Ronkle and the Mayor, episode 31. We're just plowing right along here. Um, I guess the seasons, uh, they make you do that on the little app that I use. Uh, so this season is just running concurrent with the IndyCar season, and uh, I guess I'll probably just uh, end the season at the end of the year. We'll just go year to year or something like that, and it doesn't really even matter. But uh, uh the walks have gotten a little difficult. I've had some leg pain uh, in my hip, knee, uh, like my leg's been asleep. Um, so I've had to kind of watch it. Also, my trusty cat, Hana, has been ill. Uh, she's 16. Uh, she now has pancreatitis to go along with her stage four kidney failure. So I am uh, basically doing hospice care. So that has interrupted um, my normal routine. Um, and I don't mean that to sound negative. I happily care for Hana. Uh, she's given me so much love and joy over the years that I feel like it's my duty to repay her and give her the most comfortable send off as possible. So yeah, so wish her well. Um, let's get things going. Um, I have been trying to walk. I've been doing some of my exercise, but the mornings have been colder and wetter and darker. It's getting dark again. So, uh, that has affected, um, you know, my routine along with Hana. Uh, so just trying to get back into the swing of things here. I continue to up my push-ups and sit-ups and I've uh, been doing a lot of squats since I've been sitting around the house a lot. Um, yeah. So, just trying to stay fit, trying to stay strong. I got to remember to look at the microphone here. I keep looking out the window, um, all these people going by. Um, so let's kind of get to some of the news here. So my house is all painted in dark gray, uh, teal with coral trim. And it, it looks badass um, with black, new black windows. Um, so the place looks great. Um, yeah. Uh, that, that was a lot of stress, you know, having uh, someone here tearing your house apart and putting things back together. It's a one-man crew. Um, he had a little bit of help, um, but uh, basically very efficient. Um, his name is John Starkovich. <laughs> we'll use his real name. Uh, and he's an excellent uh, builder, contractor, painter. He's a guy, a jack-of-all-trades, um, very good at his job, uh, did exquisite work, um, uh, yes, well, my wife had a very particular design, um, and John and her worked together, and got the house is uh, basically kind of like a dream house for us. So that's the news around here. Um, the Share It Square news, uh, they had their Harvest Festival and Apple Press and Potluck. Uh, they voted for Best Dish. I actually did not catch who it was. Uh, some, of the, some of the activities actually are going to take place this weekend as well. Um, and then what they want to do is organize some more fall and winter activities like uh, meeting at people's houses for a fire pit or to hang out on a patio with a, you know, a fire lamp or, or a heat lamp or something like that. So uh, there are plans to kind of have some more activities for the neighborhood, which I'm fine with. Um, some of the new bloods here want to do some more activities to raise more funds, um, which is great. If they can raise the money without asking for donations, um, even better. Uh, I don't mind contributing. Uh, we usually contribute somewhere between 25 and 100 bucks a year, I guess. Um, and I don't mind doing that at all, but if uh, the neighborhood can raise the funds um, without 
asking people for money than uh, even better. But either way, last year they had a little bit of a surplus and they were kind of concerned about what to do with it. And I just thought, just hang on to it and uh, pad your stats for next year, uh, which I guess they did. So anyway, that's most of the local news. Um, getting ready to rip up my garden as uh, the, the wildflowers keep growing, but the tomatoes have kind of gone kaput uh, at this point. Um, had a great tomato crop this year. I uh, cored and peeled, um, let's see, seven or eight bags, which I, I freeze, of apples. So like 60 so or so apples and a few to go. Um, pretty good haul, um, but a lot of stuff happening with construction and stuff. So I probably could have gotten closer to 100 apples, but um, just a lot of stuff going on. So um going to go out next week and clean up the garden and trim the apple tree down and uh yeah basically get everything ready for winter i have to get up on the roof too so um yeah and i don't like heights so getting up on the roof is like one of the scariest things i do even though it's less it's a one-story fall i bet i would survive <laughs> if i fell um but i just don't like it one of the few things that bothers me are uh, heights and i can go up in tall buildings but i just don't like going to the ledge um i don't mind being inside a tall building or anything like that it's just where i can't uh where i could just free fall that's what bothers me so Anyhow, that's uh, the Selwood and my home update. Uh, I'm going to get back into the, the walking. I just got to keep uh, encouraging myself and uh, fight through some of the the havoc going on in our lives. Anyhow, let's get down to IndyCar. Uh, they are at WeatherTech Raceway in Laguna Seca. And it's been a while since IndyCar was at Laguna Seca. They had the famous corkscrew uh, turn, which is an uphill, uh, uphill then downhill S-curve. Um, if you Google Laguna Seca corkscrew, you can watch some amazing passes throughout the years. So IndyCar is back there. There's 24 cars on track. This is the finale. Um, so New Garden, Rossi, Scott Dixon, um, and Simon Pagano are essentially your contenders uh, for the championship. This race has double points. Um, so the, that's the only reason all four of these guys are still in contention. Um, I'm rooting for uh, Joseph Newgarden. Uh, I've just always liked him. I've followed his career since he was a young uh, racer. Um, I also, just on young racers really quick, I'm, uh, I'm a huge Renus VK fan, and he kicks ass. Uh, you'll see him next year. Anyhow, let's keep going with the, the IndyCar news. So, um We'll get, let's get through some of the, the silly season stuff. So IndyCar will have an increased presence in eSports. Um, probably means they're looking for funding to start a team. Um, eSports, I find them just dumb. I, like, I don't want to watch other people play video games. I mean, for a few minutes or so, it's kind of fun. Uh, or if I'm playing a game with someone, it's kind of fun to watch a little bit. But I'm not going to go to an arena or, or watch a live stream of people, quote-unquote, competing. Um when they and they often in these esports, especially the racing, will have the guys in the on the virtual side race against the real race, and they'll win. 
and I thought, well, but there's no risk. Like you can't crash and get hurt. Uh, you can't catch on fire. No, nothing bad can happen to you as an esports player in your sport. Because, well, and it's not a sport. You're just playing video games, which I don't mind video games, but this sort of blurring of the lines between sport and games, it's sort of like volleyball. Volleyball is not a sport. It's a game. Uh, you, you know, it's basically non-competitive. Yeah, shots fired. Um, anyway, let's uh, keep rolling here. So they'll have an increased presence in esports, and this has sort of come on the the end of people begging for another IndyCar video game, which I'm not really sure they need one. A couple of uh, nifty apps with some racing stuff. Uh, I have a couple of these weird little racing apps where you change tires and increase speed and stuff. I think some some activation from sponsors with a few apps. Uh, there are indie cars in Forza Motorsport, which uh, Joseph Newgarden does the voices, some of the voices for on that video game. So IndyCar does have a presence, but, um, you know, the popularity is just not quite there. And I don't think gamers are necessarily into racing. I mean, I know there are, are people who play Madden and other sports and stuff, but the biggest the biggest games always seem to be these things with monsters and, uh, you know, first person shooter games and stuff like that, which is fine. That's what people are into. That's cool. So, uh, the, the increased esports uh, will be good. Um, and it's important. IndyCar has to stay relevant. It was one of those things IndyCar kind of balked at about 10 years ago when uh, IndyCar was kind of ruling Twitter about a decade ago, and they kind of got lapped by everybody. So IndyCar needs to try and stay on the front of the technological side of the fan base and the sport. So uh, speaking of technology, let's go to McLaren, who is moving their United States headquarters from New York City to Dallas. It's a much, much bigger space for much cheaper. Uh, I think they doubled or tripled the size. Um, and Dallas gives them kind of a more central location for their North American sales and for their race team. Uh, they'll definitely get a garage in Indianapolis. I'm almost positive, but, uh, so they're moving there, much bigger presence. Um, it looks like, uh, Hinchcliffe might be bought out of Honda by McLaren. I mean, he's the national spokesman for Honda Canada and with McLaren taking over arrow, um, uh, what is it called? McLaren arrow SP now with them merging and taking it over. Uh, a lot of people thought that meant Hinchclip was gone, myself included. I'm still, I'm still, I'm going to be skeptical on this one until I see the official lineup next year. But basically, McLaren, because they have a bad relationship with Honda from their disastrous uh, combination in Formula One, they do not work together anymore. So when McLaren bought into an IndyCar team, that IndyCar team, Aero Schmidt Peterson, was a Honda team and has been for a long time. And basically, they're switching to Chevy. So uh, that's a big deal, and it means that James Hinchcliffe will have to be bought out of his personal contract. Um, you know, a, a name like McLaren and Chevy, uh, I can understand why James, even though he's had a long relationship with Honda, um, Chevy and McLaren are much bigger names, and he's probably, uh, James Hinchcliffe, who's a above-average driver, is probably looking beyond his driving career here, thinking, okay, uh, association with Chevrolet and McLaren is probably better for the pocketbook, so... Uh, that's just my musing on it. I'm not really sure, but I was very hopeful he would go to um, Ray Hall Letterman and race with uh, Ray Hall and Sato next year. So a three-car team at Ray Hall Letterman Racing would have been awesome. So it, it could still happen. So we'll, we'll just see. Um, 
Also, some other news, uh, IndyCar is considering offering, offering a financial incentive for winning two of the three short ovals. So Iowa, Richmond, and Gateway are the short ovals. And by you'd get some sort of bonus cash if you won two of the three or all three, uh, which is, is good because the IndyCar purses are, are ridiculously low uh, because IndyCar pays out the team the teams at the beginning of the year, you get a, what's called a champion circle payment. And it's, you know, between it's like around a million bucks per car or something like that. And so then most of your money is coming from that and your sponsors, the prize money at the end of the races, is not much outside of the Indy 500. Uh, so this is good to see more incentives. Uh, they have a couple of, of incentives at uh, the double in Detroit uh, from Sonex. They'll give you a big payout and, uh, if you uh, win the pole and the race at uh, Coda, like this year, you, there was a $100,000 bonus for the driver who won. And the funny thing this year was they, they thought there's no way this is going to happen. Well, it almost did, and they didn't have an insurance policy taken out. So someone was going to be cutting a check for $100,000. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just would have uh, been rough for them. So oh, here comes a delivery right now. Let's see if they ring the doorbell on me. But, uh Anyhow, uh, all of the, all of this money, there's that doorbell. Oh man, a no editing process for this podcast. I even waved at the guy. I'm not sure why he still honked. Anyhow, uh, <laughs> it's good that there's more money involved in some of the races that that could draw and bring in some drivers from other series, some other part-time guys. I've always wondered why teams don't employ um, more drivers or a second or third driver that just does some of the ovals or the road courses. Um, I also think that some of the smaller teams um, should get some sort of incentive to have an Indy Lights team. Not all of the teams are represented in the road to Indy. So I think that they need to incentivize that a little bit, maybe cut the costs a little bit more. Um, I, I'm not really sure, but uh, they need to they need to keep this going. They need to keep the money pumping the money into the league because um, IndyCar is far behind other than personal driver salaries, um, but they're far behind in purses and everything else. Uh, so just got to keep that up. The ratings are up 10 um, percent year to year. Um, it's, so that, that's looking good. Car counts were up this year. They're up this weekend. There's 24 cars on track. Um, ideally, I'd like to see there always be between uh, 27 and 30 uh, if there's enough pit boxes. Uh, IndyCar does not have as many pit boxes as uh, NASCAR, these other series. Um, also, with the cars going so fast, you can't put 40 cars on track like NASCAR does. Uh, these cars aren't really supposed to touch. Uh, it's open wheel. So... Yeah, so there's that, um, and uh, all of this is good news heading into the final weekend. There is some other racing this weekend. Uh, there is the the Multal Petit Le Mans at Virginia International Raceway, VIR, is also this weekend, so I will probably check that out. Um, but practice is going on right now at Laguna Seca, and uh, tomorrow will be practice and qualifying and Sunday race day at 1230 my time, West Coast time. So check out the IndyCar domination. Uh, I'll have it streaming my in-car views on my tablet and I will also be watching on television. So uh, yeah, and I DVR it. So the, the, the metrics from this household are 100% for IndyCar. Um, 
got a little bit of love online. Uh, a couple other podcasts mentioned me um, and spelled my name out and everything. So that was pretty cool. Um, yeah. So all in all, this is a pretty exciting, <clears throat> excuse me, pretty exciting final weekend for IndyCar. And it's too bad it's over. But uh, like I said, uh, a lot of these drivers are going to be involved in some of the uh, some of the off-season testing because we have the new aero screen, which comes in. Uh, that testing begins in October, initially with Scott Dixon, who has been there constant since the initial aero screen and then the additions of it. So this will be built by Red Bull Technologies, which is pretty interesting that Red Bull, who hates IndyCar, they had a bad relationship years ago, is signed on to develop this. It's a 50-pound addition to the car, which basically throws out all the numbers from the engineers because uh, the 50 pounds added will mean they have to increase boost and all these other things. So a lot of your, <clears throat> a lot of your telemetry readings are not going to be accurate anymore. The other thing it does is it drastically changes the center of gravity for the cars. So testing is going to be very important. Now, some of the small teams have complained that the testing is being done by, of course, Scott Dixon, but then you're going to see uh, uh, cars from Andretti and Penske involved. And so the problem, the problem some of the small teams have is that they don't think that they can compete as fairly if they do not get a chance to be part of the testing. So it's probably true. Uh, and I wish IndyCar did a little bit more to, uh, help out the small teams like Dale coin racing and some of the young drivers they have should be some of the people uh, involved in the testing and the same sort of issue happened when they they went to Richmond uh, to announce the race in Richmond they brought Tony Kanaan and Scott Dixon well by the time they get to Richmond next year I'm not even sure Tony Kanaan will be driving so uh, or in a full-time car now Scott Dixon will and I understand those are two of the more popular drivers but they're but they're one of them's 44 and the other one's 38 so I would have gone with uh, Santino Ferrucci, who's from Connecticut. I, I just and I would have gone with Connor Daly, uh, James Hinchcliffe, just any of the younger guys. Joseph Newgarden, you know, with a champ, Will Power. I mean, is uh, I, uh, but whatever. An old New Zealand guy and an old uh, an old Brazilian. I guess that makes sense. So IndyCar PR still has uh, some growing to do. Um, my neighbors just walked by, by the way, and were looking at me. I'm probably wondering why the hell I'm sitting here in the window talking into a microphone, but, uh, they're checking out the kick-ass house. Anyhow, uh, back to IndyCar. Uh, so next year, um, is 17 races again. A lot of the drivers are going to, are going to be, of course, involved in off-season testing, uh, Petit Le Mans, and then, uh, the 24 hours of Daytona. So you'll see a lot of the top IndyCar drivers, uh, like Graham Rahal is back with Team Acura because they were able to shrink the steering wheel and push it more towards the front end. Graham is a uh, six foot two and he could not, his last season with Acura, Penske, uh, Penske Acura in uh, IMSA, he had a really rough time when he had to turn sharp, his hands hit his knees. And if the car lost control, there was no way he could catch it. So he stepped out of the ride this year. Um, but that, you know, that wasn't going to sit well with him anyway. Uh, he, he kept trying to figure it out and actually Penske and Acura figured it out for him by redesigning the cockpit a little bit so that a taller driver could fit in and it works. And Graham's also one of the heavier drivers. He's 205 pounds, um, the lightest driver is 121 pounds, and um, 
guess I've never really gone over this, but IndyCar weighs the drivers uh, on race weekend and then adds a ballast to uh, give, give everyone an average weight. And the heavier drivers, the bigger guys, it's a little harder on. So like when uh, Santino Ferrucci is 120 pounds, I think Danica Patrick was right around there. So, the, you know, they were always adding five or 10 pounds to her car. Same thing with Ferrucci. But uh, that's all balance and performance stuff. Um, you know, that's the real, the real wonky stuff for car racing. Anyhow, um, just a little bit of insight, and I'm glad uh, that Graham is going to be driving uh, in sports cars as well, uh, as much wheel time as possible. I also believe that the drivers who cross over in these series, it helps the sponsors, um, and especially the teams that compete in multiple series. They're able to sell that sponsorship across the board. Um, and it, it's you know a little bit less of a blow for someone writing a check. Also, with IMSA and IndyCar both on the upswing, uh, they've both been on NBC the last couple of weeks, um, it's a good investment right now. Uh, eyeballs, and, and really, when most of these investments, eyeballs on the track, but most of these investments are so that they can bring all their rich, uh, you know, all their rich uh, customers and entertain them at uh, some of the IndyCar events. That That's basically the big draw. So like this weekend, Ray Hall Letterman Racing has um, United Rentals is one of their big sponsors, and they have this giant two-story structure built, sort of like the Aero uh, SP thing. Uh, structure that was built here in Portland for their fat cats. So uh, it's pretty good to see Ray Hall Letterman doing this. I, so um, I'm guessing United Rentals either has um, a big presence in um, Monterey area, Laguna Seca, um, or they're just kind of considering this sort of a home race. But this is a big deal for Ray Hall Letterman to have a giant um, uh, facility built or structure built for them to entertain their guests because uh, they're one of the, the smaller teams. So it's that's a really good sign to see. Uh, hospitality is big in motorsports. It's how uh, you know you draw in new sponsors, convince dudes to write you checks, things like that. So uh, I'm expecting uh, maybe a couple of little snippets of news this weekend and uh, me, you know, I'm just, and hopefully they'll mention that uh, Hinchcliffe and Rossi are going to be in the Bathurst 1000. Um, I think that IndyCar needs to spend more time mentioning what else the drivers are doing, what other series they're competing in. Um, yeah. But what do I know? So they keep hitting that million threshold plus uh, for viewers, uh, total audience number. Uh, so that's that's really important to advertisers. Uh, so total audience numbers are up. Ratings are up. Cars on track are up. Attendance at tracks are up or steady. So up is up. Very good news for IndyCar. Um, so now let's uh, take a break here and... This is a sponsored segment. Uh, so Bull Run Construction out of Sandy, Oregon. Paint, remodel, build. Bull Run Construction will work with you to give you the home you always dreamed of. So if you're looking to update or upgrade your home, I recommend Bull Construction for all your projects. That's Bull Run Construction out of Sandy, Oregon. All right. Let's get into a little bit of conspiracy here today. Uh <laughs> I guess we it's not really conspiracy because it kind of it got in a, a kind of, uh, well, it's kind of about me. I was on one of these forums uh, basically arguing with QAnon people about adrenochrome, which is the blood of children that uh, Hillary Clinton and all the Democrats drink before they uh, traffic um, the, the children from Haiti around the world. Uh, somehow this helps them stay young. <laughs> yeah. Um, on 9-11 this last week was uh, the QAnon had like their big rally 
um, the storm is coming rally at the Washington Monument and literally 83 people showed up. Um, some of their speakers, Jordan Sather, known liar from Seattle, Washington, was there and he was terrible. Um, he's a LARP and he sells products to other LARPs. He sells energy drinks and things like that. It's basically like Alex Jones, but he's like smaller, um, whinier and younger. Um, so same, same sort of stuff. Um, uh, but I was on, uh, a Twitter thread, just sort of commenting on a few things. Um, I was with was commenting to a few other skeptics about some of the whatever QAnon and proposed, and the Q people started finding me and claiming I am a disinformation agent um, for the CIA or the Mossad. <laughs> um, as a deep state operative, I hit them all with my focused energy beam, uh, which is pretty funny because they accused me of being a retired CIA agent. And I thought, yeah, so I retired to Twitter to attack these these morons. Um, not sure why, but as soon as I as soon as I tell them I've I've hit them with a focused energy beam, they, they claim that I'm fake or that I'm lying. And I thought it's pretty interesting. So I'm either in the CIA or the Mossad as a disinformation agent, but as soon as I claim to be one, I'm lying. So I just, uh, you know, deep state, I'm coming for them. So I just keep hitting everybody with my focused energy beam. Uh, I have my certificate from deep state university is what I tell a lot of these people. And I call them LARPs. Um, just because it, it is kind of pathetic. Um, they've, I don't, actually listen to most of my UFO shows anymore that I used to listen to for fun because all of the personalities go on the Tucker Carlson show now. So basically conspiracy has just been given to the right wing. There, there is no more room for fun. It's been politicized. Um, yeah. And so it's, it's a little depressing. Um, because that was one of the things I kind of enjoyed uh, as a kid. Um, I was into X-Files, things like that. So it was kind of fun. Uh, not that I was, you know, going to go out in the street and protest. Um, speaking of aliens, it was really off the topic. But today was the Storm Area 51 <laughs> uh, that millions of people were supposed to show up for. Well, there was a music concert nearby. I guess tens of thousands of people did come. But at 4 a.m. when they were supposed to sprint in and take over Area 51... Nothing happened. Uh, they, I watched some live streams of some cops sitting there and people talking to the cops. One guy did the Naruto run behind a reporter. Uh, that's where you bend over while you run and your arms are sticking out behind you. Um, and that way bullets can't hit you. <laughs> I was actually hoping some people would try to sprint into Area 51. Um, I did read some interesting stuff that basically what they would do is uh, smoke them out um, with either tear gas or some sort of, not a, not a nerve agent, but an irritant. Maybe Maybe even a sonic wave or something that would basically immobilize large groups of people. Um, they're in the desert too, uh, so uh, you know there's really nowhere to go. Um, I do know because a friend of mine has gone to Area 51, and a friend of the family has as well. When you get to the gate that says you know you're going the um, that if you get to the gate, you've driven 50 minutes down a dirt road, and even then, you can't see the base or anything. That, that, um, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere. So a lot of people today claim they didn't sprint in because the government jammed their live feeds. And I thought, oh, wait a minute. You didn't run in because you couldn't stream it live? Record it. Um, so, you know, people were interviewing the guy that initially said, let's run in there. And he was like, you know, he, he'd been talked to by the FBI. So he's he keeps telling people just to chill. Um, they had to bring in a lot of extra cops and uh 
porta potties and things because it was going to be an environmental disaster with all these people out in this, you know, nowhere. Um, the cops in the county that were interviewed said they don't even have the money to, to be doing this. They had to borrow money from the state of Nevada for, uh, so this county could actually uh, have enforcement there. So, you know, this whole thing just turned out to be a mess. There's a bunch of people running around with like costumes on. I thought, uh, I thought to myself, man, the giant asteroid can't get here soon enough. So <laughs> anyway, that was the conspiracy stuff. It's funny how I kind of got roped into it. Um, uh, I ended up having to block hundreds of people because all these QAnon accounts have 20,000 followers. You know, they're all bots and stuff. So, you know, I just started blocking them. Even Twitter contacted me and said, uh, your account's blowing up. And I, and I clicked on it and they said, do you want us to help you? And I said, no, I'm just going to block all these people which I did, and I report most of them because in the end, the problem with the QAnon conspiracy is it's transphobic, homophobic, anti-Semitic, and completely racist. When you get to the bottom of it, they end up blaming minorities, Jewish people, you name it. Um, and when that doesn't work, Democrats are all raping children and uh, have a pedophile ring uh, with the Hollywood elites uh, passing children around. Um, so... Yeah, completely believable, and uh, yeah, well, that's the world today we live in. So, thanks for listening. Uh, Hana is actually smiling. She just ate some food, and uh, this was one of her favorite shows because she loves the QAnon conspiracy. She's always laughing while I'm doing that. So, be safe, everybody, and remember, don't walk towards the light.